This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're like me, then you want to play golf in style. None of this old fogey business. I want to look good out there. And that's why I only play the custom design ball markers from Matchstick Golf. Matchstick Golf is a local Portland company that makes high-quality ball markers without the high cost. And let me tell you, when you're using these bad boys, it's immediately clear who's the best-looking golfer on the green. Matchstick has a bunch of great designs available now on matchstickgolf.com, including the one-eyed alligator from Happy Gilmore, a wad of cash, my personal favorite. They've got an orange creamsicle one. They're all great. And they're so good, your playing partners are going to be envious of you the instant they see them. And it's not just because you got a three-footer for birdie and they're on the fringe trying to save Vogue. Right now, At The Turn listeners can get a 15% discount on these amazing and hilarious golf ball markers by using the code TURN15 on any order at matchstickgolf.com. Be the guy playing matchstick ball markers the next time you're out on the course. I promise you, you won't regret it. Again, that's code TURN15 at checkout at matchstickgolf.com and let them know Joey and Nick sent you. Let's do it, man. Colin with right. two L's. Why was that such a big deal? Because they kept showing the engraver and Azinger had nothing else to talk about like oh, the last yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's how you spell his name. Like, get it right, he's won two majors. You know how to spell but they were name. saying, like, like saying, like he's lost twice, like he's like got big, two big losses. Oh, oh, two L's. Two L's. Two I'm like, what? what? He's got to win his second name. Like, yeah. What? Read way too much into that. <laughs> Colin Morikawa is the 149th Open Champion. Hello. Welcome into At The Turn. Nick, were you as engrossed as I was with the playing of the British Open? It was incredible golf. It was not incredible theater. Yeah, I saw you arguing with some people on Twitter, and I didn't really understand. Did you did, did you even want to get into that on here? Well, like maybe in in minute like forty three. Great. Yeah. Well, let's start with the champion. I mean, Colin Morikawa has. You can cook up different things to make someone's accomplishments seem more historic than they actually are. That's not the case here. A lot of the stuff Morikawa accomplished by getting the second major championship at such a young age is unprecedented. Morikawa is the first player in men's golf history to win his debut in multiple major championships. When he won the PGA last year, it was his second career major start. Morikawa is the first player in the era of the four modern men's majors 
to win twice in eight or fewer attempts. Unprecedented. Yeah, I I think the two major wins in his first time playing that event is the most impressive thing to me. That's something I don't think will be matched. That's something that will be a legacy for Colin Morikawa decades from now. Um, Especially when you win a championship like the Open, where it's so unique in, in the style of play that it requires. It's so much different. It's not just going to play another American golf course where, you know, you if it's the U.S. Open, you have to hit fairways, and there's a, there's kind of a formula to it. It's so much different. It takes so much creativity, which I would think would come with, with great experience, which is why we see, like, you and I both had a lot of veteran players with a lot of experience winning this championship because that's the kind of player who tends to succeed. So it, it's incredible to me that he has that feat. Two majors, he won in his first start at them. And especially if you were to tell me that a player was going to do that, the last of the four I would think that they would win would be the British Open. He just didn't make mistakes. And when he made a mistake, he had an incredible recovery. I mean, he was bogey free in the final round of the British Open. I know that this was a historic day for scoring. It was literally the lowest score in relation to par in the history of the tournament for a final round. So we knew that the course was playing easier than usual. That being said, he didn't make a bogey in the final round of the Open when he could have in a couple of spots. For me, the key stretch, Nick, was 14 and 15, where he had the lead, and he hit pretty so-so approach shot to 14 green on the par 5, and he had like a pretty difficult 25-30 footer up the hill. He pours it in as Louie was close. He never let Louie really get close once he took that lead. And then on 15, he hit his approach shot into some hay, pitched it out to like 10 feet, poured in the putt. And then from that point, it was, okay, unless Morikawa makes a big mistake, which it doesn't look like he's going to, he's going to win the Open Championship. Exactly. Those were the only two times where where there was any even inkling of, of drama in the tournament. Because right in real time, Spieth had just made a nice birdie. And then Morikawa had a long putt that you're thinking, okay, he's probably going to two-putt this and Spieth's going to be within one. And it was a tough putt, too. They had just said John Rahm. John Rahm had, had ran his, like, 10 feet past. It was almost the identical putt up that slope. And he pours it in, which kind of came out of nowhere. And then he misses that green to the left. He's in He's in some trouble. And you're thinking, oh, are, 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 the, are the wheels coming off? I mean, we've seen it. And, you know, it, it could fit a young player, you know. Um, and it's just a beautiful up and down there. And, and Spieth never even got within two. And Spieth. Was was lights out after a couple of early bogeys. His final twelve holes, I think, I think he might have been like four or five, six under, six under, um, six under. Yeah, it was incredible. He played well enough to win, but never even got within two, which which was crazy. And and Louis was really a non factor, even though he, I think, he was only one over today, shot seventy one, which is not good enough to win, but not also bad enough on a normal round to like not even be a factor. I don't think they showed very many of his shots in the last on the last nine. Well, Louie lost two shots to the field with his score today. So I think it was him and Scotty Scheffler, the only two guys in the top 15 to shoot over par today. But back to Morikawa, I think your point about good golf versus drama is just the product of the winner that we had, who is someone who I guess you could describe as 
boring in relation to Jordan Spieth because all Colin Morikawa does is hit approach shots closer than anyone else, and he makes a lot of putts. I mean, he's one of the best players in the world. He's going to represent the USA in the Olympics, which was already decided prior to this tournament, and then he gets this on top of it. But I heard, and for folks that watch the coverage in the Golf Channel, they heard this, but I thought it was fascinating. They closed the sort of their post-game show with this statement. Justin Leonard said, when Colin Morikawa was in college, he had a six iron and he hit however many balls, let's just say a hundred. And the dispersion of his six iron shots were equivalent to an average PGA tours players dispersion with a pitching wedge in college. He was that money with his irons. He just, he's one of those players that makes it look really easy. He has a very deliberate backswing and he leads the tour by a mile on approach shots into the green, which is essentially the metric for iron play. So, you know, drama wasn't there. Exceptional golf was. Spieth went crazy, but he made a couple bogeys early. So if he doesn't do that, he has a real shot down the stretch. But Morikawa was steady Eddie. And, you know, historical context, uh, there's only 47 guys who've ever won two men's majors. And Colin Morikawa is one of them, and he's 24. Yeah, and in your your accusation of his golf being boring is a hundred percent spot on. And that is, I think the biggest compliment you could pay, a pay a golfer is, yeah. is it's boring because you, you know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. He He's going to hit the fairway. He's, he's not going to be in trouble. He's going to put the ball where it needs to be. He's going to hit a good approach shot. Even his like ho-hum approach shots were, were 20 feet. And then now that he had, when, when he has the putter rolling, which is normally the weakness of his game, um, they obviously not a weakness this week. He, he's pouring them in or, or getting them close. I mean, there was never even, I don't even think he even had like more than a three foot par putt. Like it, it was never even close to him making both. Maybe there was one, I think I remember like a four or five, six footer for par that he made. Um, but it was, it was so steady. It was so predictable. Um, I just that's the only way and, and it was so it's so interesting that it was kind of contrasted against Jordan Spieth and it's something I want to talk about a little bit more a little bit later but it is the polar opposite of the spectrum of like how these guys get it done because Morikawa is just so smooth so steady when his putter is working forget about it and Jordan is like he's never in a hole and he's never out of a hole you just never know what's going to happen until <laughs> until the ball drops um, which is Super exciting for the guys sitting on the couch working on their fifth white claw. Yeah. Colin Morikawa has a game to win a lot of major championships. Jordan Spieth can't be used as a test case or an example of really anything in golf. Because you would look at his style and say, well, this guy can't win majors. And you would also just look at his overall demeanor, him yelling at the ball, yelling at the caddy. He's always out of a hole. He's always in a hole. Even the 72nd hole, he gave himself a birdie putt on the last hole. If he makes that, the lead shrinks to one, and all of a sudden, Colin's got something to think about. So even to his last putt or two, he's still in the tournament. Yeah, I thought I, I thought he was going to uh, roll that last one and get to get to 14 under and, and put a little pressure on, but, you know, it, it wasn't quite to be. I'm trying to look up because they mentioned it like, Five times in the last half hour of the broadcast, um, Colin Morikawa's driving distance rank on the PGA Tour, it's in the hundreds. He, and, and they kept kind of drawing that conclusion that 
you know, the game is being overtaken by the long hitters. But here you go. Here you have a guy who just plays within himself and he's so consistent. So just to kind of kind of summarize how predictable, boring, you know, not flashy his game is, but so consistent and so good. Um, it, it, they, they made that comparison. I can't I can't find it. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, the Internet, Joe, so to ba- bail me out here. <laughs> well, the weather really laid down all week like it was not the course that they expected to have. And if you look at the top few guys in this tournament, you have Spieth, who's not a long hitter. You have Louie, who's not a long hitter. You have Morikawa, who's not a long hitter. So because the course was receptive, but also fast, because that's just what British Open courses are, you were able to have this type of player ascend to the top of the leaderboard. Now, of course, Brooks, DJ, Rom, they were all in the mix to one degree or another. Mm -hmm. But it's the guys who slap it around and make some putts, they were able to get it done. I mean, I, I think Colin Morikawa is a great champion, and he's he's at 25% when he enters a major championship, he wins it. It's it's pretty remarkable. It's, it's just remarkable how many... We've just gotten to the point where so many young players can win major titles. Like, this never used to be a thing, but it's just commonplace now for people to win majors before they're 25, before they're 27. I mean, it's it's not something that is unusual anymore. No, and, and a little bit later, Joe, I want to talk about the depth of the PGA Tour. And, and, and yeah. we can we can talk talk about that a little later. One last note I have on, on Morikawa. He's going to move to number three in the world, which is, I mean, you Pretty win good. two majors in, in, in 15 months. That's, that's going to happen, but... Uh, he also snuck a WGC in there. If he can putt consistently, which he switched grips on his putter, he switched his putting grip in February and then won the WGC the next week. If he can find the consistency with his putter anywhere near it is with his full swing, he will be a force for the next 5, 10, 20 years. But I, I'm so hesitant because – you could say the same thing about 20 different guys probably. Yeah, of course. Which is which is why nobody really has has grabbed that that title which is what we can talk about a little bit later. Um when we go into to a couple of notes I took for um for the depth of where the tour is. But did you want to talk I wanted to talk a little about Louis. I want to check in on our picks and then I don't know if you had anything else any other any other key uh takeaways from the open that you wanted to get to first. I mean, I'll start with the runner-up. We we talked about him a little bit, but Jordan Spieth was not the odds-on favorite, but he was the pick for a lot of people. It just felt like he was trending toward winning this tournament, and he showed up. He played really well. Uh, I think he came in 23rd in the world. I would assume he's in the top 20 now. Um I don't think it's a question of if Jordan Spieth is back. Like he's he won an event this year. He finished T three at Augusta. He finished second in the Open Championship. Like if that's not back, I don't know what is. It's just cool to see him around because he brings a completely unique energy that no one else has in golf. A, a unique and like nervous, anxious, fidgety energy that. I think we can all relate to on the golf course in terms of like wanting somebody to yell at and talking to your ball and not getting the bounces you want and then relying on the miracle shot. It's I love if if Jordan Spieth was not 
in contention today and it was Morikawa and Louis and like Rom a few strokes back, I don't know if I could have watched it. I mean, I, I would have watched it, but it, it would have been so much less exciting. Well, there's there's just an element of unpredictability with Jordan Spieth. It's it's the Phil Mickelson factor. I mean, I I think I think Spieth will potentially have a better career than Phil Mickelson as far as piling up wins and majors and that sort of thing. But it's the same sort of like frenetic, like literally anything can happen. And it's not Tiger where it's like, we know what's going to happen and it's going to be the best possible result. Like Spieth dumped it in the water at Augusta. Like that will be on the Spieth highlight reel when his career is over. That That's part of the Jordan Spieth story. Just like when he won the 2017 Open at Burkdale, when he hit it into the driving range and somehow it's still inbounds, is it out of bounds, this crazy thing. This is what Jordan Spieth is. That's why he's so compelling, though. He's such a fascinating figure. And him being in the mix, you're right. It made it a better tournament. It was a great antidote to Morikawa's perfection. Right, right. I, I love and I appreciate Morikawa's skill, the high level he plays at. But like I said, like we both agree, it, it's boring. It doesn't make for great gripping television. So the speed factor, you got to gotta love it. It is cool. I will say one thing about Morikawa. It's, it's just cool to see a killer with a smile on his face. Like he looked in complete control of everything that he was doing. And when he accepted the trophy, the first thing that he did was turn to the low amateur and say, what a round today. You've got a great career ahead of you. It's my dad's birthday. The whole crowd singing happy birthday to his dad. Like to have that much poise and be chill at 24 after winning your second major. I think that says a lot about his personality and just sort of his vibe and what he's all about. It's great. Yeah. He might, he might be the most marketable guy in golf the next five years truly which would be awesome well deserved i i hope i hope he is and i hope he continues to win and i don't want people to mistake my lack of enthusiasm for interest for being a, a spectator of the event as a lack of respect for colin morikawa as a, as a player and I, I i love watching him i can't wait to have him on our olympic squad on a Ryder cup squad all that good stuff so don't don't take what I'm saying as a as a diss on on Colin. Uh Louis Oosthuizen, why oh did we, why we did not pick him to win this championship? Because we knew he wasn't going to win. Obviously. Louis four majors this year, T26, T2, solo 2, T3. It's a pretty good uh it's a pretty good year. It's that's a good that's a good career for a lot of guys in majors. Truly. I mean, it it sucks. Louis Okay, listen to this. This is the 11th consecutive major championship round in which he was in third place or better following play. That's insane. Wrap your head around that. After every single round, he was in the top three from the second round of what would that have been? The PGA PGA. championship on. He's been in the top three of every major. That is incredible. And to not get it done. A streak that still continues. Yeah, no, that's insane. He's the first player to lead the Open outright after the first three rounds and not win since 2007. Do you know who that was, Nick? Um, well, from that look on your face, it must have been Phil. No, it was someone else who's only won one major and really underperformed compared to his ability level. This should be so easy. From 2007? I, I don't know. Sergio. Oh. Yeah. Sergio. Yeah, great Masters champion he is. So... Okay. Well, I have, I have one more. Uh, oh, I got Louis was about, He was about to be my pick for the Olympics. 
And I was what? I was a hundred per- Louis for sure. Was well, that's going to be tough, Felix. Dick. Louis is not participating in no. the Olympics because he bought an eighty-six acre farm that he needs to tend to. Eighty-six is it in South Africa? Louis Oosthuizen said on Twitter that he wanted to focus on a strong finish to the PGA Tour season and to honor family commitments. He is preparing for farm life after buying an 86-acre ranch in Ocala, Florida. Wow. In Florida? Louis, it's the Olympics. You're 38. Louis doesn't care about the Olympics. One of the top 10 golfers in the world. Go get yourself a medal. The farm will be there when you get back. He's going to focus on the chickens and the pigs. I love it. I love Louis. I mean, did you compare that with Rory Sabatini, who changed citizenships, took this five-year journey just to get into the Olympics, and Louis like, yeah, we got a farm. Uh, did you notice during the broadcast that they kept saying how old Louis Ustazen was? <laughs> Every yeah, five minutes. Ah, oh, well, he's 38. I don't know if he's going to get any more chances. He's been the most consistent major performer Maybe outside of Brooks Kepka, the last 12 months. I don't know why they think this is the end for Louis. And look at that swing. That swing isn't going away anytime soon. It's perfect. It, it's My not guy, like he's going to blow out his back with that thing. It's just behind. It's just between the ears. Uh, the Masters isn't for a long time. He can prepare, maybe win some silly season events, maybe win the FedEx. Like, I bet he wins the FedEx Cup playoffs. Like that seems like the kind of thing that he would all of a sudden just get hot and and start winning those. It's really a bummer. I'm glad he has a major championship. This will be so much worse if he didn't actually have one. But he won the 2010 Open by eight shots. So even the one major that he won, it wasn't like he had someone like Colin Morikawa nipping in his heels or Bubba Watson in a playoff at the Masters or something of that nature. It's... When he got it done, he had that huge lead. And it's obvious at this point that it's it's a mental thing. And it 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 sucks to watch because for someone to be as talented as he is and put himself in positions to win so many times and only get it done once, it's tough. It's golf. It is golf. A uh, few other things. Just some quick notes here. John Rahm finished T3. He's back to number one in the world. So you mentioned Colin Morikawa is third. DJ is two. Brooks Kepka. Listen to this. So Brooks had a nice round. Got in the top 10. Since the beginning of 2016, Kepka is a combined blank under par in major championships. Do you care to take a guess how many under par Brooks Kepka mm. is the last five years in major championships? I think it's like one. I saw this stat before the week began and so i'm gonna i'm gonna guess like 135 okay whoa take it easy he's 92 under in majors the last five years however to put that in comparison that's 64 shots better than anyone else i knew it was i knew it was ridiculous 64 shots better than anyone else dj is in second uh lee westwood not one of our picks not a great week he now has the dubious distinction of having the most career major championship starts without a victory. The Open Championship was his 88th career major start. The streak he broke, you'll never guess. Jay Haas. Jay Haas had 87 major starts, never won. So, sucks for Lee. He's 48. I don't know. Hey, if you think of it this way, there's like 156 guys in a 
standard field in the major. It's probably a little less than that, especially the Masters. But the average is still probably over 100. He's still got a few more before he's below average. If you think of like the number of guys, the chances of winning, if there's 125 guys, you got a 1 in 125 chance of winning. So he's no, almost due. Not buying his, it. his numbers almost come around. Exactly. Do you think he thinks of it that way? No, but I'll bet you his lady does. I mean, his Lee Westwood has to be worth. I want you to guess right now how much Lee Westwood is worth. Just his PGA Tour career earnings. I'm typing Lee Westwood net worth into Google. Oh my god, I'm so bad at this. <laughs> um, Lee Westwood is worth. $300 million. <laughs> oh, that's subtract 260 million. And you're there. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, he's been I a very solid no concept of worth. Well, I mean, he's, he's been a very sing- solid English golfer for like 30 years. He's, he's amassed $40 million. That's, it's pretty damn good. I think. Yeah. But is that just, earn? I mean, like what about all his deals? Well, Celebrity net worth is my trusted source for net worth Google searches. I'm sure his career earnings are a little bit less than that, and they take the endorsements and just tax them. Yeah, and then, like, what about, you know, what about money he's already spent? What about investments? You know, it's sure. you, you never know. But so my my number could be could be accurate. It could be, it could be, it could be so anywhere between it could be, it could be 40 and 300 million is what Lee Westwood is worth. Uh, do I have anything else on the open? No, man. I I loved it. I, I I thought it was a fabulous tournament. I managed to stay up every night, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to watch the following day's play in the Open Championship. So I watched the first tee shot Wednesday. I watched the beginning of the field on Thursday. I watched the beginning of the field on Friday and Saturday because on the West what Coast. T- what time is that out for you? Like, what time were you were you turning it on, and what time were you going to bed? Ten ten forty five. Uh, oh. the, the the first couple of days, and then I had a couple of late nights over the weekend, so okay. I was up at like I think I think two thirty a.m. I was watching it, and uh, yeah, I knew it was time to go to bed when I looked at the clock, and so I was so it was two thirty watching the Open Championship. Nick, before we get to our picks. Uh, actually, why don't we do our picks first? And then I have one more thing. I want to talk about uh, the winners of this major season. So I can just rip them off if if you want me to get through a quick. We don't need yeah, to Yeah, just, just breeze through. There's nothing too much to break down there. So um, I am the Lee Westwood of this podcast. I am now 0 for 17 picking major championships. Oh, you did the uh, math, huh? Both, both men and women's events. Um, not great. My picks were Ian Poulter, who was T26. Patrick Harrington, who was a, uh, a solo 72nd. And uh, Martin, which Keimer. hold on, I gotta pause you right there. I I was I couldn't believe he was the only guy in the tournament who finished plus four, <laughs> a, a solo seventy second. I don't think you see that very often. Well, the Ryder Cup captain is very crafty, and uh, my boy Martin Keimer, ah, he missed the cut. Nick didn't do much better. Harris English T forty six, Xander never a factor. Pretty surprised about that. T twenty six, and then Keegan Bradley took an early flight home. He missed the cut. Nick. Very impressive resume for our major champions. So the four major champions for 2021, Hideki Matsuyama, Phil Mickelson, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa. I don't think it's hyperbolic to say this has got four guys who could be in the World Golf Hall of Fame. Obviously, Phil already is. You have Hideki, who's the best Japanese golfer ever already, winning the Masters. You have Rahm, who's ripping it up. Uh, You have Colin Morikawa, has two majors at 24. Like, these are probably four guys that are going to be the World Golf Hall of Fame. It's pretty damn good major year overall. 
Absolutely. So do you think this is the 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 best crop of major champions that one season has produced? Like can you remember a better one? Uh this is definitely the best since we've ever done this podcast. I mean all all four were incredible. We we started this podcast in 2017 um and I can't think of a year in that short time that we've had better. Uh, there's, you know, there's been some in, incredible years. Um, all, all I mean, Tiger, Tiger won a Masters in there, which which is awesome. But I couldn't, I couldn't off the top of my head tell you who else won that year. Yeah, I mean, probably. Well, that, that would. Well, that Brooks been, won the PGA that year. But anyways, I, I digress. Yeah, yeah. But the point is, I think you had something very different in all of these tournaments. Why the winner was impressive, like Hideki finally breaking through first like i said first male japanese golfer to win a major yet phil becoming the oldest major champion ever john rom getting it done down the stretch kind of cementing himself as the best player in the world and then colin morikawa who's like yeah i'm super chilling i win majors what what of it i i just think it's been a great year there's been something great out of each of these tournaments there hasn't been a clunker out of any of these four which is rare i think no, it, it it is rare because you always get those. You always get the Danny Willits. You know, every once in a while, it's like this guy. You never, never really gonna gonna be a factor on the world stage. Um, we didn't get any of that this year, which is awesome. I do love getting a crop like this where it's it's four guys who are gonna be a factor for the next five, ten plus years. Um, so that that no, that's a good point. Nobody now, and not to go back too far, but we I meant to I meant to bring this up earlier. I, I put it. something on Twitter. Everybody talks about Colin Morikawa and, and how poised he is in majors. But okay. I just wanted to, to remind everybody when he wins the PGA championship, spills the trophy. Win wins the open in front of the most knowledgeable golf audience, calls it the British Open and refers to himself as the the the, the championship player or, or or something butchered butchered the uh, champion golfer of the year title in like one breath. So basically what you're saying is that he has this moniker of being poised, but when it comes time for the trophy presentation, he just, he sucks. Ah, I wouldn't, I would not say that. about. about okay, good. I'm glad you're not saying that point no. point is taken. Um, Nick, you have a stare, a story to share, but before you do, should we tell the people about precision pro? Absolutely. Best range finders out there, folks. Look, I can't make a putt to save my life. I am the Colin Morikawa of the Glenavere Men's Club. I'm striping it. My iron shots are amazing. I put a six iron to eight feet today, and that was the only putt. That's pretty much the only putt I made today. And you know why I put it so close? Because I had an exact yardage. I was dialed in. PrecisionProGolf.com. Use the promo code TURN10 at checkout. You're going to save 10 bucks on incredible rangefinders, They make wonderful gifts for the golfer in your life. I love it. Nick loves it. It's a fabulous product. And uh, Nick, I I assume that Precision Pro was a factor in uh, what you're about to tell the At The Turn patrons. Absolutely. I, yeah. uh, Joe, I careered it. I, I just got to say it. I, I careered it with an 82 uh, yesterday, and I'm I'm still on, on top of the world. And I, not only that, it's the first time this year I've even broken ninety, so I just wow. I just put on the scuba gear, I took it deep, and uh, I came out the other side. I don't know, I don't know how it happened. Um, how long was the putt you made on eighteen? Oh, it was. I had twenty two feet for birdie to shoot thirty nine on the back, and I, I I hit it about 
17 feet and I, I made the five footer for par. <laughs> oh, a knee knocker for a career round. Yeah, but I wasn't even, I mean, I had two strokes to get my, my career and I actually didn't even know what, what I was at, at that point. I just knew it was good. Um, but that's I was, why you played so well. You didn't know where you were at. You weren't concerned with the score. Yeah. And I, that's I'm it. not going to go too deep into it, but normally I'm like comparing myself to bogey golf, right? So if yeah, I make a triple, I'm like, damn, I got to make two pars, ah, you know? Yeah. But I went into this round for whatever reason. And I was like, I'm just going to try to hit five greens. I'm going to try to get up and down for par three times. I'm going to try to not make any triples. And if I do that, I'll probably shoot something in the eighties. And I like kind of kept track of like my green. I was like, Oh, it's like right on, right on pace. I did all of those things, except for I only hit four greens instead of five. But uh, you know, I was like, Oh, it's gotta be good. I've been making every putt. And so checking all the boxes. Yeah. One, another thing that never happened to me before. So on the second nine, it was pretty backed up and I was a single and it was a twosome behind me and a twosome in front of me. And the, the twosome in front of me weren't interested in me joining up with them, which was fine. They were like hitting it into the bushes, like five feet off the tee. And I uh, didn't want to like, that's no fun. On them. Yeah. So the group behind me comes up and there's four holes left. And I said, Hey, y'all want to join up? No problem. Happy to, you know, play as a threesome. We're just going to be waiting. They said, I don't know. You're, you're a lot better than we are. I, I think we'll just hang back. I just was like, that's even ah. better. I was like, ah, you know, and then, and then they're like, well, how are you hitting them today? And I was like, Oh, I'm just, just trying to get it into the clubhouse. Yeah. You can't, you can't say <laughs> I'm actually shooting my best round ever. I got guys. A chance for a career round right now. <laughs> Congrats, buddy. That's fantastic. Thank so you. Is, I appreciate that. Is it up on the fridge? It's on the fridge. Yeah. I love it. That's so good. Uh, well, I have, I, I have a quick tale from my weekend as well. So as I talked about way too much on the previous episode, uh, I'm a member of the Glendevere men's club. So we had our normal Sunday game and played with a guy who had never played with before. And there's a par four and over the green, there's not trouble, but there's like a maintenance area and where they keep all the sand for the bunkers. So there's like paved, a paved area kind of over the green, but none of it's out of bounds. So I hit my second shot. And I thought it was going to be fine. It was just going to land over a bunker, but I couldn't see where it finished. And I can't find this damn thing. So I'm walking around for like 90 seconds and I'm like, all right, well, this obviously hit this cart path and it shot into the the sand or it's gone. Like, I just didn't really care. I was like, I'm just going to drive back and, and hit a provisional. You guys keep looking. So I hit a provisional, didn't hit it very good. And I see my dad. He's like, I, I got your ball. It's back here in this like weird sand bunker area. And uh, I was like, okay, so I'm just going to play this ball, guys. Is that cool? And they're all like, yeah, that's that's fine. So the chip up, two up, make a bogey, no big deal. We tee off of the next hole. My dad tells me that this guy uh, who I'd never met before and was kind of giving me a weird vibe was like, he wanted to call a time penalty on you. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. He said, uh, when you were back hitting your provisional, he's like, how long have we been looking? And my dad was like, I don't know, a couple minutes. And he's like, I think it's been over three minutes. I think we need to pick up that ball if we find it. And he has to play his provisional as his ball into the green. And I was like, is, is this the United States Open? Is, is Patrick Reed our playing partner? I was just so confused and even more confused that he didn't talk to me about it. He like talked to my dad about it. So he's being crazy, right? I'm not being crazy there. I wouldn't have cared like if I had lost the ball and made a seven, like, okay, that's fine. But like we found the ball. And to be honest, like, not to sound like a jerk, but everyone in that men's club is like 70. So the minute that I start slowing someone down, like I'll, I'll be happy to call a penalty on myself. Like I'm, I'm not the one holding up play is my boy. No, no. Um, yeah. You know, you, you don't, you don't ever yeah. 
say anything like that. I mean, technically, the rules are there. I don't know. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like in in a in a league, and like a yeah, we're playing so, Glendivere West, bro. I, I, like, I don't. What are you doing? It's eight thirty. This other guy over here has had three beers already. Why? Why are you trying to call a, a time penalty on me? And the worst part about it was, Nick, I know the rule. We looked less than three minutes. My dad found the ball in less than three minutes, which is the yeah. length of time you I mean, have. So that's, there wasn't a rule broken. That's that's the thing. If it's like three minutes, nobody's actually starting a watch. It's just to prevent you from spending twenty minutes out there. Exactly, like, guys. Okay, clearly it's gone. And especially if you if you go back to hit your, well, I think it still would be a, a lost ball if. if if you, somebody started their clock, but like you, you would proceed. It wasn't like you were out there and it was like, okay, Joe, it's time to stop looking. You're like, Hey, I'm yeah. going to go hit my provisional. You guys keep looking. We'll, we'll, we'll play it from there. Um, that's absurd. And I had, I had the opposite happen in, a, in a, my most recent uh, league round. A guy was look, looking for a ball for like 20 minutes and we <sighs> both, we both hit ours to the same spot, like a yard right of the green. And they, just they both just disappeared. We never found either one of them. It was off on some crazy slope, so either could have been right there or like twenty yards away. And I'm like, dude, I gotta go back to work. Like it was like the second to last <laughs> hole. He's like, well, there's nobody behind us. Let's just keep looking. I'm like, dude, we just gotta replay the hole. <laughs> it's like, folks, nothing is more liberating than giving up looking for a ball that's probably lost. Like the minute you let go of it, it's like, all right, well, I'm gonna regroup and hit my next shot. Like it's okay to give up on your ball quicker than you think you should. I love giving up on a ball that I don't know where it is. The the problem with that is if if he calls this time penalty on you, now like you have to label him as like a he rule set the follower. precedent, and he has to everybody who plays with him has to like look over his shoulder at all times because guaranteed in in that same situation reversed, there's no chance he's saying, well guys, it's been three minutes, like okay, that's a lost ball. No matter if you find it right here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's in the hole. It's a lost ball. No, no chance. Nick, so you like, you can't set that precedent. Like four holes later, I snap a shot that was like close to out of bounds that I hit a provisional. The two balls, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, like 150 yards apart. And he asked me if I was using the same number on the balls. And I was like, well, that one's over there and that one's 150 yards right. So I think we can tell them apart. It's like, what, what are we doing? I, I woke up at 545 to do this. <laughs> Which apparently was just a couple hours after you went to bed. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster. I'm running on fumes. So unless you have anything else, we should probably wind this one down. No, I do actually. Please, um, which I, I mentioned earlier, the depth of of the yes. current field of stars of golf. Now, Joe, I'm just going to run a couple things by. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but there's nobody that's so dominant on the PGA Tour that it's exciting. You have a bunch of guys who, when they play their best, they're going to win. And and when they don't, they could miss a cut, and, and you don't think twice about it. When Tiger was in his peak, if he missed a cut, which he didn't do for like a decade, it was world news. Like, Tiger Woods missed a cut. What is going on? Like, it was – his dominance was exciting because it was it was changing history. We have guys who are really good. Like, Colin Morikawa, nobody on earth is beating him today. But if he has a bad next six months, nobody will probably even think twice about it. Which is why I think there's a lack of excitement for me when I'm watching some of these professional golf events. And Jordan Spieth is the opposite of that because he's excited no matter what, no matter what's happening. He can anything can happen at any time in any tournament with Jordan Spieth, and and you wouldn't be surprised. You just don't know what's going to happen next. 
So he's like the only guy I can think of who's got the potential for excitement. And I was, as I'm watching this tournament and we're in the back nine and there's nobody really within two or three of Colin Morikawa. And I know for a fact that nobody's going to catch him because he's going to hit every fairway and every green. He's going to make every putt and he's just going to get it home. I'm like, how would this be more exciting? And I thought of the volleyball rule. You got to win by two. So all Jordan would have to do would be get within one. And then we go to this playoff. Uh-huh. The first guy to take a two-stroke lead wins. Now, some of the fans on, on Twitter did, did not think this was a great idea. Yeah, I saw that as I, I was on the I golf course today. There, which, is, which is understandable. Look, I totally get it. You, you're ingrained in golf. It's a very traditional sport. People don't like to shake things up, and that's fine. You want to protect the game, protect the game. I get it. I'm just thinking of a way to make the the, the last hour and a half of tournaments like much more exciting. Like if Jordan only had to get within one, how much more exciting would that have been? Well, I think because the opportunity exists for tournaments not to be exciting, when they are Phil and Tiger in the last group at Augusta, Spieth and Johnson in a playoff on a PGA Tour event, when we get those moments organically, they mean that much more because we just don't get them very often because so many things have to happen. Like we've never had Brooks and Bryson last round of even a regular tour event. And they're both one, two. We've never had Brooks and DJ. Like we've never had these dream matchups, Thomas and Spieth, Jim Nance might keel over if we had that at Augusta, if they were in the final group. But these moments are so hard to come by because fields are so big and there's such depth, like you mentioned on the PGA tour that when you do get something that is spectacular, it's even more so because in golf, it's really hard for that to happen because there's so many variables. I mean, like today, it was a great golf tournament. Was it the most exciting golf tournament I've ever seen? No, but it was excellence. And to your point, um, there isn't someone who really gets you excited in the way Jordan Spieth does. I mean, well, it just Dustin brings Johnson? excitement to brings excitement to. A viewer's perspective. This is 100% from a viewer's perspective. I'm sitting there watching it. Colin Morikawa was definitely going to win. I knew that two hours before the final putt dropped. I'm sitting there watching every stroke anyways. Like, I'm just thinking, how could this be more exciting? Well, Jordan's not going to catch him in regulation. I don't want to root for Colin Morikawa to melt down. But if all Jordan had to do is get within one, I'm like, well, that would make it way more interesting. But I guess I would just point to the last two majors we had prior to this one. I mean, you had John Rahm making crazy putts on the 71st and 72nd hole to win his first major. For that, you had Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship at age 50, Louis hanging around a really cool venue. And, and prior to that, you know, Hideki won at Augusta out of absolutely nowhere. I mean, it's not like Hideki had been trending in the right direction, had been competing really in a lot of majors recently, and he got it done. So I understand the general premise of what you're saying, but I think because uh, unlike this year and previous years, we get some clunkers when you do get that sort of magical cocktail of a Chambers Bay is a perfect example. I know Spieth was involved, so maybe it's more to your point, but Dustin Johnson had a putt to win the U.S. Open on the 72nd hole from 11 feet, then missed the comeback to get in the playoff and Spieth won. Like, you have that, that sort of sick. moment take place. I'll never forget where I was. 
And, you know, another one was Tiger in the 2008 U.S. Open. Like, because these things are so rare, you remember them so vividly. So I would argue that the rarity of those things happening make them better. I'm not surprised that that you're not buying this, okay, which is totally fine. And I, I get it. And, you know, I'm not I'm not going to pen the letter to the commissioner quite yet. But I want you to consider okay. two things. Yeah. That's, that's all I ask. Number one, consider that Phil Mickelson would likely have the career grand slam if this rule had been in place. Phil Number Mickelson two. would also have the career grand slam if he didn't double bogey the 72nd hole in Wingfoot in 2006. He still could have won. Anyways. Anyways. Number two, I just want you for like the next 12 months when you're watching golf and there's okay. like a clunker going on just to think like, well, if the if the second place guy only had to get within one, like how much more interesting would it be? Just ask yourself that question. Maybe it would be more interesting. Maybe it would be chaos. The guy who who really it was vocal against my idea was like he, he somehow rationalized that terms would take five to six days longer for like days. Days. Okay. To, for like two or three guys to sort out like to somebody to take a two stroke lead. I'm like, ah, that that seems less thought out than my ridiculous proposal in the first place. But you know what? It's Twitter. That's what it's there for. Well, Say your ridiculous stuff. Put it out there. See what sticks. Just I think. Yeah, I think that guy's a prisoner of the moment because we, we 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 did have like two insanely long playoffs in the PGA Tour recently. I think we had like an eight holer and a five holer in back to back weeks. So perhaps he's looking at that and saying, well, that's just how it always is. Like, eh. I just think golf is fine. That's my take. Yeah. Golf's okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I I agree. I just I guess I just wish I liked watching it more when I actually do sit down and watch it. It's all good. Just just you know, we'll check back in a year, you know, and you can say, hey, See you know what? Doing. There was these five times. It would have been really cool. Or like I don't know. Maybe maybe it's time to pen that letter. Well, we do have a very big event coming up very soon, and that is the Olympics. We have the men's Olympics at the end of July. The Women's Olympics. After that, the golf event is going to be taking place. Uh, I'm very excited. Nick and I are going to do a preview very soon of that. We're going to pick our winners. We did have the promotion, um, the rate and review, the podcast. No one identified Colin Morikawa as the champion on Apple Podcasts. So my golf balls, Nick, they're up for grabs again. Yeah, we're going to do it. Identify the gold medal winner on either the men's or the women's side. I'm going these balls must go. Either the men's or the women's side. You identify the gold medal winner by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, giving us five stars, saying who is going to get the gold medal in the Olympics. Give me what side you're going for. Give me a winner. And if you do it, I'll send you three boxes of Vice Pro Plus golf balls. Absolutely love it. Take advantage of that offer from Joe because – I think you can get it. I think it's going to be easy to pick the Olympic field compared to a major for a few reasons. But, Joe, let me ask you this. We can identify our gold, silver, and bronze medalists um, instead of our our dark horse, our our, uh, our winner, our contender. If you get one of those right on either side, are you going to give yourself some, some credit and some leeway? Or are you, still, are you still putting the pressure on an actual recognized major champion? I'll only give myself the W if I get the gold medal. Like if I pick the bronze, right? Like, you know, that's cool. It's just like winning a bronze medal. Like this is nice. I I, I won something. Is it the big prize? No, I got something. A bronze medal. I'm Matt Are, Kuchar. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, when we well, do me, those. I'll put it to we, you this way, Nick. Yeah, okay, okay. Can you tell me off the cuff who won the medals in 2016? Yeah, it, it was Justin Rose was the gold medalist. Um... I know, I know Kucher was the bronze, and I'm trying to think. I, I, I do, I forget, I forget Sweden. who was the silver medalist. 
Who is it? Swedish. He's a Swedish man. He's tall. His name's Henrik Stenson. Ah, <laughs> uh, Henrik Stenson. Yeah. 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 No, no, I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, it matters. Are we going to identify not just three guys to be medalists? Or are you going to have to say, like, this is your bronze, your silver, and your gold medalist? Because, like, I don't yeah. want to, like, call you out if you, like, pick the bronze medalist and then, then that person gets gold. Yeah. Again, I, I get one pick. It's the gold medalist. I'm going to pick my silver medalist and my bronze medalist on both the male and the female side. If I snag like a bronze medalist on the male side, I'm not going to get credit for winning the major. It's just I pick something right and I feel a little better about myself heading into the next season of picking winners or not. (laughs) It'll be fun. Yeah, we'll do that soon because the Olympics are starting. Uh, We have a very exciting interview coming up. It's very golf nerdy, but anything you want to know about handicapping and course rating, oh baby, it's 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 going to be a great conversation. Uh, we got a new partner, Matchstick Golf. You heard about that? Excited about them? Turn fifteen is the promo code when you check out Course Precision Pro. Use promo code Turn Ten there. And Colin Morikawa is the British Open champion. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at the Turn.